Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Praise God. I have been drawn to Matthew chapter 6 recently. And I want to just take, let's use it as our launching off point here to to recognize um, our ability in the thought life that it's possible for us to maintain a mental clarity in our thought life. And I want to look at Matthew chapter 6. Let's begin with verse 25. He says, Jesus speaking, he's teaching uh, to the disciples, and he's teaching them about worry and why they shouldn't worry. He says, therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life what you shall eat, what you shall drink, or for your body, what you shall put on, is not the life more than meat and the body more than clothing? So he says, take no thought. That's an instruction. Don't take that thought. So it's possible for you to refuse thoughts because these thoughts are gonna be presented. They were being presented to the disciples Every day, they're presented in that form of the need, in the form of the question, what shall you put on? What are you going to wear? And he says, that thought is, it's possible to refuse that thought. So there are thoughts that you can refuse, but you're going to be the one who needs to examine the thought and recognize whether it's permissible or, or not, because If you accept every thought, you can be led by whoever or whatever is presenting that thought to you. And Jesus said, don't let the need present questions to you that, and you take those questions. So how did the thought come? It came in the form of a question, a questioning. Is that what Satan did to Eve? Did God say? Mm -hmm. He, he, He brought a thought to her. And she didn't, re- she didn't re- re- uh, resist it. She received it. He brought a thought. Did God say? Is that what he did to Jesus? If you be the son of God, what is he doing? He's presenting a thought. So you've got to recognize that there are thoughts that come to you and you might think it's you. And that's why you need to know the voice of the Holy Spirit. You need to have the sensitivity in your spirit to recognize when the Holy Spirit says, uh-uh, uh-uh, that's not you. That, you didn't come up with that on your own. You were led into that thought. There was something presented to you. Now, you got you to gotta guard the things that are being presented to you because what's being presented to you. Have y'all ever watched one of those little short videos on a social media and the next minute you're in the cabinet to see if you got the ingredients to make that thing? You're like, I had no plans to try to make a, a muffin in a, a, a microwave cup. 
But all of a sudden, they told me I could do it, and I'm in there. I think I've got some cocoa, and I've got an egg, and I've got a little bit of this, and I'm in there, and I'm like, I had no plans to even try to make this thing. But what took me there? There was a thought presented to me that took me in a direction I had no intention of going until that thought was presented. So he says there are thoughts that you can and should refuse. Why? Because they're not leading you towards faith. They're not leading you towards uh, seeing things in line with the word of God. They will actually, if you follow that thought, you'll find yourself not in agreement with God. And how can two walk together except they be agreed? Amos chapter three, verse three says. So I've got to agree with God so I can walk with him. And the way for me to agree with him is to agree with his thoughts. So verse 26 starts with another instruction. He said in verse 25, take no thought for your life. But verse 26, he tells them there are some thoughts that they should take. He says, behold, that's an instruction. That's a command. Behold, I want you to look at something. Behold the fowls of the air. I want you to look at them. Why? Because when you look at them, you're going to learn something. When you look at them, you're going to see something. In looking at them, you're going to take your eyes off the question that's being presented, and you're going to look at the answer. Behold the fowls of the air, because they don't sow, neither do they reap, They don't gather into barns, yet God provides for them. Your heavenly Father feeds them. I want you to look at those birds. And you know, wherever you go in the world, there are birds. I mean, there are all different kinds of birds, but even in the Arctic, even in the, uh, you can find some birds, right? Those birds are preaching. So, Pay attention to the sermon they're preaching. That even though they don't have the ability of the seed, they don't have the dominion of the seed. They can't sow, they can't reap, they can't gather into barns, but they have provision. And then he says, when you look at them, here's the question for you. Aren't you much better than they are? So you're supposed to look at something, but not what the question of the, the, what am I going to do? The question that brings worry, the question that presents a fear thought, the question that puts you over into that place of, of disease, of unrest. He says, I want you to take the question of, I'm in a better position in relationship with God than those birds. And if God provides for the birds, so whenever the thoughts come, you look at something else. Don't consider What am I going to eat? What am I going to wear? What am I going to put on? I want you to consider the birds. I want you to look at the provision they have and they, and you have more than they have. You have the seed. You have the ability to reap. You can store up into a barn. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You, so I take your mind over to the answer. And then he says this, which of you by taking thought And and that word taking thought is referring to worried thought, anxious thought. The Amplified goes into that specifically, which of you by taking thought, by taking anxious thought, 
can add one cubit unto his stature. So can that worried, anxious thought change anything? No. Can that worried, anxious thought help you make progress in that situation? No. So why do people just, just set themselves in a determination, I'm going to worry about this? It's the flesh. I'll tell you because I've been there and done it. I'll just be honest with you. It's carnal mind. Because it, it, a renewed mind is not going to be sitting there worrying for five hours over a situation. A renewed mind is going to take that thought captive. A mind that's under the structure of the scripture, that's, that's got the, the word of God as its, as its boundaries, that mind isn't going to be sitting there running that worry thought on a loop trying to figure it out. Hallelujah. So he says it doesn't solve anything to worry. It doesn't help anything at all. So he says... Why take ye thought for a man? He's going back to the questioning. And why are you taking thought? Verse 28. Why are you taking thought about your clothes? Taking worried, anxious thought. Why are you taking it? Do you see how he calls it? Taking it. So you can take it or leave it. Don't take it, leave it. Leave that worried thought. Leave that questioning thought. Leave it. Because it's not going to help you any. And then he says, okay, let's go back and look at the answer. Consider the lilies. Behold the birds, the fowls of the air. Consider the lilies of the field. What do I want you to consider? I want you to consider how they grow. They don't toil, neither do they spin. He's talking about for clothing. They're not out there weaving their own clothes. Not out there with the sewing machine trying to sew up their new outfit. He said they don't uh, look at how they grow. They don't toil. They don't spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe ye, O ye of little faith? So he says, I don't want you to look at the thought that provides a worried result. I want you to look at the provision of how God created the lilies and how God has provided for the lilies. Hallelujah. So there are thoughts that we do not take. And when we are tempted with those thoughts, we need to put something specific in answer in relation to that temptation in its place as our consideration. We've got to turn our focus. We've got to turn our attention to that which will answer that temptation to worry. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We've got to occupy the mind with the answer. So 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1, and let's look at verse 7. We're occupying the mind with the answer. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says, For God has not given us 
the spirit of fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear. So fear is spiritual. Fear is a spiritual flow. And it doesn't belong in us. Our pastor wrote a book called Fear Free Living. Never be afraid another day in your life. Hallelujah. It's available. It's possible to never be afraid another day in your life. But you're going to have to put some things into practice to see that. Because the the tendency, and there are seeds of fear constantly being sown into, into the mind, into the hearing, through what we read, through what we hear on the radio, on the TV, on, on the YouTube channel, different things popping up when you don't, when you, I didn't even, where did that come from? How did that pop up on my feed, on my YouTube feed, right? Why? Because that fear is trying to get sown into your life. God hasn't given us the spirit of fear. What has he given us? Power, love, and a sound mind. So we know that perfected love drives fear out the door. If when we become well-developed in the love that God has for us and the love that we have for God, then it, it inoculates us against that fear. But it's not the only thing that needs to be developed. He, it says that he has given us power, love, and a sound mind. The Amplified says of the mind, it's a calm and well-balanced mind a calm and well-balanced mind. The Vine's New Testament dictionary says it's a disciplined mind. So it's not just going to happen. It's going to take the discipline of us structuring and setting up boundaries as to what thoughts are allowed. There are thoughts I don't take. And when they're presented to me, I have to legally refuse them because if I let those thoughts come and just kind of hang there, they're continually beating against my mind. They're continually trying to to bring themselves back up. So if I legally answer that thought, if I legally refuse that thought, the New Testament calls it taking every thought captive. Hallelujah. And we're going to get into that before the night's over. But for that to happen, I've got to be disciplined to recognize that that is a wayward thought. That's a rebellious thought. That is a fear thought. That's a thought that is not on my my entry list. It's not allowed entry into my mind. And then answer it or resist that thought legally with my words. Safe, disciplined is that definition from the Vines Dictionary. God has given us a safe, disciplined mind. If you look in the Strong's Concordance, it includes the idea of self-controlled mind. Hallelujah. Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3 says that we have a responsibility to keep our mind stayed. 
when we do our part of keeping our minds stayed, then God can do his part. Isaiah 26, three, let me read it to you. Thou will keep him in perfect peace. Ooh, I want that. Don't you want that? Ooh, we want that perfect peace. Shalom, shalom. A well-developed, established peace in our life. We want that peace. But it says he keeps the person in perfect peace, that person who has their mind stayed on thee. Well, now that goes back to the (laughs) self-discipline. That goes back to the self-control. For me to keep my mind stayed on him, I can't let it veer off onto something else. For me to keep my mind stayed on his faithfulness, I can't go get over here and worry if God's going to come through for me or not. For me to keep my mind on on God is my healer, I can't listen to things that say, well, sometimes God puts sickness on you to teach you a lesson. No, no, see, that is not keeping my mind stayed. I've got to take that thought captive. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When, When we recognize our part of keeping our mind stayed, then it, it, it becomes uh, more, it provides an awareness to us, an awareness. We're not just going to let anything into our thought life. We're not going to let anything play around us. We're not just going to turn the radio on and let it go. Right. Even, even some Christian radio sometimes, you just need to turn it, turn it down, turn it off. Oh, Commercials come on, turn just turn the volume off. And, and don't read the the warning labels that come with all the medications that they're advertising, right? Because the mind wants to say, have I ever had it? Do you have this symptom? And do you have this symptom? No, I don't have that symptom. I'm the healed of the Lord. By his stripes, I'm healed. Hallelujah. So our part is to keep our mind stayed on him. That's our discipline, our self-control. Keep my mind stayed on the Lord. And then he will keep me in perfect peace. But do you notice if I let my thoughts go over into a place that opens and provides an entry point for the enemy, then it's not God's fault if I'm not in perfect peace. If I've took my mind off him and got it over onto something that's not true, right? Whose report will you believe? You know, that question, it says, whose report will you believe? I'm going to look at it. Chapter 53, who has believed our report? That's the first question. Who has believed our report? Well, then it gives another question. And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Do you want the arm of the Lord revealed to you? Well, they're connected. The one who believes the report of the Lord is going to see the arm of the Lord minister to them, reveal to them. Hallelujah. So do you see that connection? If I keep my mind stayed on him, he can keep me in perfect peace. But if I put my mind on worry, fear, unbelief, then he 
is at a disadvantage because he is no longer in a position. I have moved myself over to a vulnerable position. I have opened the entry point for the enemy to come in because the enemy, he can't get in your spirit. He has to get in your mind. He, the enemy, he, it says we are not ignorant of his schemes, his devices, his, his method of operation is to bring you to a place of questioning. His method of operation is deception. He blinds the minds. That's, his, that's the way he works. He, he brings a blinder, an, a hindrance to seeing the truth. The only way he can do that is through thoughts. He, he has no power to overtake you He has to get you to lay down your weapons. He has to deceive you into allowing him in. Do you know the word devil's not a name? It is a description of how he operates. It is a compound word, dia and balos. And and, uh, dia means to pound something continually over and over for the purpose of breaking through. And balos means to pierce, to gain an entry point. So he beats and he beats and he beats and he beats and he beats against the mind so he can gain an entry point so that he can work his strategy. We are not ignorant of Satan's devices. It's the word that we have derived uh, uh, odometer from. It means to pave a road. His device is to pave a road into your thinking, to get a way of thinking into you that will stop you from from walking in the light or walking in the truth. You know, in the beginning, God created you and I to operate by his word. God created us to feed on his word, to live by his word. His word was the light for us. And Satan watched how God did what he did, and he brought words to Eve. He didn't put a gun to Eve's head. He didn't threaten to kill Adam. He brought words to Eve that produced thoughts. And so if you look throughout the scripture, you'll find out that if you will take God's word and you'll meditate on the word of God, what does Joshua chapter one and verse eight say? It said, this book of the law shall not depart from out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night. And then you'll be able to see the way so that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. And then you will make your way prosperous. You will have good success. You will will make your way prosperous. How? The word being your meditation day and night. Psalm chapter one says that the the word of God, that we meditate in the word of God, we we do not uh, walk in the way of the sinner or sit in the seat of the scornful, but we, in the law of God, do we meditate day and night and we will be like a tree planted, a a planted tree by the water. That means I've always got a water supply. I'm not concerned about how hot it is outside. I've always got water. It can get 110 degrees, but I'm planted by the water. 
Why? Because I'm in the Word. I'm in the Word. So whatever's going on in my situation, if I'm in the Word, I'm not moved by it. You will not see when He comes. Jeremiah 17 says, the person who trusts in the Lord won't see when he, he will come, but they won't see it. They'll be like, he, what he? He, he don't feel hot in heat. He, I, is it hot? Really? Everybody else says, whoa, it's so hot. No, I got water. I got the word. I've got a supply. Why? Because I've got a constant inflow of the thoughts of God. The thoughts of God. God said in Isaiah chapter 55, he said, let the wicked forsake his way. Let the unrighteous man forsake his thoughts and turn to me. He said, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher, higher thoughts, higher thoughts. And he wants us to take higher thoughts. He doesn't want us living low level thoughts. You know, the caterpillar, the caterpillar never saw what the butterfly sees. The renewing of the mind keeps us, it takes us out of that caterpillar limitation of low-level thoughts and brings us up to the thoughts of God. I'm renewing my mind and I can observe to do according to everything the Bible says I can do. And I'm able to live a higher life because I have higher thoughts. So higher thoughts come from the word of God. And God said his word won't return empty. Every word of God is full of power. God doesn't own an empty word. So God's words contains God's thoughts. And we use those words as our spiritual food, putting them into our heart, putting them into our mouth, letting them fill our ears, letting them fill our eyes so that our, they become abundant in the heart. It says, attend to my words, incline your ear to hear them. Don't let them depart from in front of your eyes because they are life. My words, my higher thoughts are life and, and they'll get an ab abundance in your heart. That's the level we're supposed to live at. We're not supposed to live at low levels of word. We're supposed to maintain high levels of word. Why? Because out of the abundance of my heart, my mouth is going to speak. And when faith-filled words come out of my mouth, they'll move situations. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. This keeping the mind stayed on the word of God is not hard, it just might be different at first. It's not hard because everything God asks us to do is light and easy. He provides the help to do it. Amen? So we, we can't look at it as hard. We have to realize this is different, especially if we have been very unrestrained in our thought life. If we've just let any old thought come traipsing through the front doors of our eyes, the ears, and bring all these random, ugly, rancid, critical, vulgar thoughts into our mind, then all the, then, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Now we've got to put the brakes on all of it. And so it seems different. It might seem overwhelming the first time. That, but listen, once you clean it out, y'all remember me telling you about that job I had when I first moved to Kansas City? Yeah. And I went to work for that uh, uh, 
management company that owned all these houses throughout the city. And when a person would get evicted, I had to go in and clean out the house and paint it and get it ready for the next tenant. And most of the time when they got evicted, they left lots of junk behind. Sometimes they left food and the electricity had been turned off. So there's, there's rotten food in the refrigerator. They left all the dirty clothes because they didn't want to wash them and take them. They, they left all these dirty clothes. And so I, and they left broken furniture. And, and so usually it took me an entire workday and a whole box of hefty trash bags to get that house ready to paint. I couldn't even clean it. I couldn't paint it until I got all that mess out of the house. And so when you're first renewing your mind, it may seem like there's a lot to do because you've got to go through and gather all that wrong thinking and you've got to get it all cleaned out so that you can put your mind in order. And once you get your mind in order, it's a lot easier to keep it in order. If you'll keep the discipline and the structure to resist those thoughts. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we've got to keep our mind stayed. Now I quoted Joshua 1.8, but I'm going to tell you there's a key of how to keep your mind stayed in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. He says, this book of the law shall not depart out of your... I thought we were talking about the mind. What's he doing bringing the mouth into the situation? We're talking about the mind. We're talking about keeping our mind stayed on the Lord, having a sound, disciplined, self-controlled mind. And he says, the word shall not depart out of your mouth. Well, the mouth is the key to override the mind. If you want to get your mind to, to, to stop whatever it's thinking, start saying something. Because when you say something, your mind has to stop and think about what you're trying to say. And you're born again. So when you're speaking, you're speaking out of here, out of your spirit. When you begin to say, greater is he that is in me, and your mind is thinking worry or fear, your mind has to stop the thought of worry and fear to think about what you're saying. It cannot continue down that road of thought, that thought pattern, while you are making it say something. You are the boss of your mind. Your mind is not your boss. You are not a victim to your mind to think whatever's coming into your mind. Your mind is your mind. Your mind is your mind. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Your mind is your mind. Hallelujah. So you have an option to resist thoughts. You have the responsibility to resist thoughts. You have the ability to resist thoughts right here in your mouth. So if you want to take a thought captive, thoughts don't overpower thoughts. Words overpower thoughts. If you want to take a thought captive, Jesus is our example, is he not? Jesus is our example, and he didn't outthink anything the devil presented to him. 
he outspoke everything the devil presented. He used the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Where is it? The sword of the Spirit is rhema. When it says the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, that's spoken word. So he used, he used the spoken word to resist. He used the spoken word to take the thoughts captive, to say that thought's not coming in, gaining an entry point into my mind. What does the devil want to do? He wants to beat against the mind. If you leave the thought out there, it's going to collide with your thoughts again. If, if the enemy brings a thought and you just try to dismiss it and you don't deal with it with authority, that thought will come back some other way. It'll be presented to you somewhere. Have y'all ever had things come up and you're like, I saw this here and I saw it on that channel and I saw it brought in that letter that came and, and different ways. It's not coincidence. The enemy's sabotaging with those seeds, trying to get that thought in. He's beating against the mind, beating that thought against the mind, trying to gain, trying to pierce through and gain an entry point into that thinking. Well, listen, you don't have to put up with that. You do not have to let those thoughts beat and beat and beat and beat against your mind. If the thought comes, immediately, when Jesus dealt with each thought, after that third resisting of the thought, the enemy departed. And if we're resisting him correctly, he's not going to be able to stay around. It's illegal. He cannot, he, he will not be able to continue and continue and continue when we are resisting him. There may be a season of an attack, but it must come to an end. A season has a beginning and an end. And so he may come with that temptation. He may come with that bombardment against your mind. But you just need to lift your hands and say, there's an end to this. There has no temptation taken me, but that which is common to man. And with every temptation, my God has provided a way for me to escape it. I resist this thought in the name of Jesus. I take it captive and I say, and then declare what God says, that the, that thought is trying to co run contrary to. Let's look at Philippians chapter four and we'll, we'll bring it to a close here. Jesus is our example, and he resisted every thought with spoken words. He took those thoughts captive. And I didn't get to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, but write it down in your notes. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5 is the place where we see that the weapons of our warfare are mighty through God to pull down strongholds, cast down imaginations and things that try to exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. And we also, with our weapons, take thoughts captive. That's in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. But we're not going to get there tonight. But you've got it for your notes. Philippians 4, you need a list. You need to know what's permitted and what's not permitted. For you to accurately resist wrong thoughts, you've got to know what is a wrong thought. Because if, if you just allow thoughts... Because you think, well, everybody's got to think about that. You know, there are things you can deal with responsibly without worrying about them. 
You know, I've brought finances up a couple of times as an example. We can deal with our finances without worrying about them. We can take the steps that we need to take. We can pronounce the, the scriptures over those things. We can pray and ask God for the wisdom in that financial situation. We, take, we do what we can and what we know, and then we stop the worry about it. Because worrying about it's just going to weaken your spiritual strength anyway. So here in Philippians 4, it says, beginning in verse 6, Be careful for nothing. Can you show me the Amplified? And let's see how the Amplified makes that instruction. Be careful for nothing. Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. Is that clear enough for us? Is there anything that you are legally authorized by God to worry about? Well, I know what Philippians 4 says, but, you know, this happened and, you know, God understands. Wait, wait, wait. Do not have any anxiety about anything. It's not going to help. It's only going to weaken your spiritual strength. So let's gain the discipline to stop the worry and stop the anxiety. When the anxiety comes, take it captive. If you have to pull Psalm 91 out and read it off the page, get your mind under the control of the word. If you have to pull out Psalm 23, read it off the page till you get your mind submitted to the word. Whatever scripture, if you have to pull this scripture out and say, I will not be anxious for anything because Jesus, because God has told me here, Jesus said, let not my heart be troubled. And God says right here in Philippians chapter four that I am not to fret or have anxiety about anything, so I'm not gonna do it. In everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. That's, that's what it, prayer and supplication should sound like. But when you come to the end of it, there should be some thanksgiving in there. Why? Because if I, if I have confidence that he hears me when I pray, if I'm, this is the confidence that we have. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us, and we know if he hears us, we have the petitions we've asked. So then there should be some thanksgiving, right? If you know you have it. Amen. What do you do? Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you so we're talking about prayer that is receiving and, and following that receiving with thanksgiving. He said, don't be anxious, but in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. So Worry is incorrect action. Prayer, receiving prayer with thanksgiving is the way to handle it. Whatever it is that tries to provoke you to worry, go to the Lord and say, Father, in the name of Jesus, according to your word, and then you pray that situation. Father, according to your word, you said you will contend with him who contends with me and you will save my children. Yeah. 
So Father, I'm not gonna worry with that report that I just heard uh, about something they've just done, but I'm gonna cast the care of that onto you. I'm not gonna worry about it. I'm gonna trust you, Lord. Father, I ask you to surround them with faith and love, and I ask you, Lord, to put your angel's protection around them. I plead the blood of Jesus over them. I declare the lordship of Jesus Christ over their life, and I'll do the spiritual action, and I'll rejoice, but I'm not gonna worry about it. And then I'm going to step away from that situation with thanksgiving because I have trusted them into the hands of the Lord. Now, I'm not talking about being negligent and say, oh, well, I'm just going to cast my care on the Lord and, and la-di-da. No, there are things that God will, will, will put on our hearts to pray. He'll, he'll tell us how to deal with that situation. We're not trying to neglect any spiritual activity we're going and we're asking with receiving prayer and supplication. So he said, don't just say, I'm not going to worry about it and then stick your head in the sand. That's not what he said. He said, don't worry about it, pray about it. Why? Because prayer changes things. So the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man makes tremendous power available. Dynamic in its working. So he said, don't pray about it, don't worry about it, or don't, don't worry about it, pray about it. And then the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That sounds like Isaiah 26, doesn't it? Keeping my mind stayed on him, and he's keeping me in perfect peace. The peace of God comes after I have refused the care. Pastor wrote a book by that title too, didn't he? Refusing the care. I refuse the care and I go to God and I receive what I need from him through prayer and then the peace of God sets up a protection around my heart and my mind. The Amplified says, uh, it says, the peace of God will mount a guard. Pull me the Amplified up there. Let me see how it says. The next one, please. The next slide. Hallelujah. Back up one more. I think we lost something. Mount guard, garrison. That's the word I was looking for. Garrison, a garrison of soldiers is what that word refers to. Will garrison and mount guard over your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Do you notice that it's not just your heart that needs a guard? It's your mind. So he says, when you refuse to care, the, the protection can be in place over your mind. Verse eight, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. That's our list. So there's a structure. I'm keeping my mind state on the Lord. I have a sound, disciplined, self-controlled mind. My mind doesn't get to just, just take its own course on a whim and have me over here in tears because of the thoughts I've been thinking. Have me over here wringing my hands because of the thoughts that I've been thinking. Have me over here chewing on a pencil because of the thoughts that I've been thinking. Whatever it is that you do when, when your mind takes you over there into that place of where, and, and 
pastor was refusing the care. He was out on the balcony praying about our children. He's out on the balcony praying. He's out on the balcony praying. And he said, I was praying. And the Lord said, what are you doing? He said, Lord, I'm praying. He said, look at your face. What's the matter with your face? And he said, my face was all scrunched up because I was praying, Lord, you gotta save it. You gotta do this. He said, your face is all scrunched up. That's what the Lord said to our pastor. Your face is all scrunched up. And he realized he wasn't praying or receiving prayer. He wasn't praying in faith. He was using the vehicle of prayer to transport his worry to God. And God redirected him. And, and the whole conversation, God said, do you think you love your child more than I love your child? And he said, no, Lord, you, you love my child more than I do. And so God redirected him over and strengthened him. But he started the converse, conversation with, look, how what's wrong with your face? Because his face was all scrunched up trying to pray. What got him to that place? Thoughts. Thoughts that were not in agreement with what God said. Hallelujah. But you and I, we can have a self-disciplined mind. I believe you've been strengthened by that tonight.